Go ahead, Jimmy. Uh, what was I supposed to say? <laughs> <laughs> it's the best stinger ever. <laughs> Hi, this is Jimmy Duresta, and you are listening to the Work For It podcast. Hi, this is Jimmy Duresta, and you are listening to the Work For It podcast. Hey, it's Brian House, and you're listening to the Work For It podcast. Our primary focus is business in the workshop. And if you want us to see and discuss your work, use the hashtag WFI projects on Instagram, and we will shout you out and your projects. Did you know you can support our work for as little as $1 a month or $12 a year? Go to patreon.com forward slash work for it to find out more. $12 a year. That's like a burrito. I love burritos. What's happening, everybody? It's Brian House here with the Work Forward Podcast. As always, I'm joined in the studio with Ben Jammin Butler and Brian Cohn of B Cone Knives. Yes, sir. How you doing, man? <sighs> man, well, I'll tell you what. I just turned 45 years old today. Oh, Today's oh, my wow. birthday. B Cone asked me about that the other day, and we couldn't remember the day, but congratulations. Now, let me just really quickly tell you something this is an inner dark secret of my like what's <laughs> inside of my brain right now is that some i did an ama on youtube not too long ago i didn't do i edited the whole thing out and just did a couple of questions someone asked me if you could be in the same room with anybody ever to learn from who would it be mm. and my answer say? was jimmy Duresta. Get out of here. You, you might have that, that chance. You're just saying that because I'm here. <laughs> wait a minute. Wait, hold on. Jimmy Dude, we can go to his what? channel. Wait, Let's wait, go wait, to wait, his channel. Wait, wait, wait. Hold on. Hold yeah, on hold up. A second. <laughs> J- J- Jimmy, Who is that this you? <laughs> Coming through my headphones? Jimmy Duresta? That's me. Hey, guys. Thanks for having me. Oh my, you guys, oh it's God. like a real radio station. I feel like I'm on like some Florida it's radio station. It's just Brian's voice. It's incredible. <laughs> <laughs> I did a short stint in the audio voiceover. My career was long-lived at Fox Television. Really? Yes, I. Yeah, and I'd read a lot of books on, <laughs> on like, Amazon. Yeah. <laughs> how long? How long have you been making grinders? Because I found you about a year ago, and you were well into it. Yeah, a couple years ago, I started the grinder. Pro- well, three years ago now, the <laughs> okay, grinder yeah. project started, and great. then it became huge, huge, yeah. Jimmy, big, huge, and it's we're great. Time. It's such a good time to be alive because any one of us can start anything at any time and make a go of it. Right. I, I'm you with know, you the, there. The community supports itself in such a tremendous way. I don't know any other community that I've been in. I'm 55. I'm going to be 55 in a couple of days. And I don't know any community in my life where there's been such support outside of like firemen or policemen, you know, right. where you have that camaraderie or, you know, obviously military. But. <clears throat> The support that we all give each other, men and women in this business, is is just so unbelievable. It's like it's a privilege. Phenomenal. Yeah, yeah. It's and it bridges too, right? It's not like just woodworkers or just yeah, metal workers. That's what I mean. It's it's everybody. It's all yeah. makers in general. It's really incredible. It, yeah. yeah, truly. Well, speaking Very of cool. that, I have a, a sheet here that was made for me, which is uh, it's a PDF that is uh, Jimmy's stats at the current moment, um, and oh, no. I want to just get for those of you who do not know who Jimmy Duresta is. Get out is, from which, under your rock. 
<laughs> let me just read some some interesting stuff about Jimmy because we did a deep dive on Jimmy this week. So oh, YouTube, 1.95 million subscribers. Twitter, Twitter is 28.4 thousand followers. Instagram, 217 thousand followers. And on Facebook, 48 thousand on one group and over a million on another, which mm. uh, I find interesting. Jimmy's vision is making as good for us as it builds self-confidence, which will only grow in importance as we become more of an automated button pushing service based culture. Did Build a project, that? learn a new skill, and create your maker's story. That's from your website, Jimmy, Jimmy's Workshop.com. I'm joking. And I then, forget what uh, I said. I, my memory <laughs> falling out of the back of my head as it comes in my mouth. And then I dug like really deep into uh, I just did a Google search. Why is Jimmy Duresta famous? So uh, oh, nice. you, you ready for this? <laughs> So in 1993, he formed a now defunct toy design company called Duresta in the East Village of yeah. New York City. Which That's a little he, muddied up. That's a little muddied up, but I'll tell you more about it. He created Gurgling Guts, not Gurgling, but Gurgling Guts, a rubber That's toy true. replicating a miniature human organ. And then he went on to teach at the School of Visual Arts. That's true. Uh, which is all really cool shit. And, I, and also, I your brother John friended me on on um, Instagram not too long ago. And I'm like, yeah. I didn't know you had a brother. <laughs> yeah. So I was like looking at this guy's face and then I started looking into his, you know, all of the stuff he's done. Yeah. I'm like, God, this guy looks like Jimmy a little bit. Yeah, and he's two years older than me. I'm like, I wonder if they're related because they have the same last name and all this stuff. <laughs> and then I started, then I did my deep dive into you and discovered all of this stuff that you did with your brother, John. You yeah, co-hosted we did several Hammer, shows together. Yeah, Trash to yeah. Cash. I mean, yeah. Against the Grain. You have I'm as all old these. As, cool I'm as stuff. old as dirt, dude. I can't believe I'm still that. <laughs> Discovery skinny. Channel. I mean, it, it's and then now let's let's like jump forward into 2022, making yeah. it. On Netflix, which has been well, super making well it gets, gets confusing. It gets confusing. I'm sorry, making, making yeah, fun. no, making, making it the NBC show. But I confuse myself all the time with all oh, these bet. different making it. Yeah, that, that may, the word make just shows up everywhere, right? It's like the most generic <laughs> term yeah. we've making created. Making fun, yes. Sorry about that. Making fun on on Netflix, and then so in the in the show, right in the beginning, you say something about Derek, which I wasn't sure. I did I didn't know this, but he's your best friend. And well, we're buddies. We're close buddies. Yeah. You say <laughs> this in the show. Yeah. It's 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 on Netflix now. You can't take it back. Derek Malden, <laughs> right. his friend. Yeah. Well, Derek and I developed a friendship about six years ago because of we did. We have a podcast. Making it is yeah. the name of the podcast. And I'll go back to the term "making it." How it started, just so I, I'd be curious. Yeah, I was going to ask you. Years this. ago, there's a pitch on my YouTube channel. It's one of the early videos. It's uh, a pitch that me and my brother did. It was called "Making It," and that was the name we came up with based on the song from the 80s, 70s called Making It. I got the time of taking it. That's a real song. The guy that played American Werewolf in London was on a television show. And that was the theme song for the television show, Making It. And it was about him making it in Hollywood as a young actor. Okay, long story short. Uh, we did this show where we make things. We did a pitch on our own. I did my own edit and everything. We made it ourselves and we pitched it around and it was called Making It. And then we sold it to HGTV. HGTV got it and they changed the name to Hammered. And so the name Making It was sitting around and I had made a big sign for the pitch. I made this like copper sign that's still hanging in my shop. And when I started doing the podcast with Bob and Dave, 
we said, hey, what do we want to do? What do we want? Make? What should we call the podcast? They go, well, I have this metal sign called Making It. We could use that as the meme. And so we did. So that's how the name got revived for the podcast. And then when we did our 100th episode, we did it in Boston at an event. Uh, one of the one of the fans uh, volunteered his office, his corporate office of Converse Sneakers, so that we could do the 100th episode with a <clears throat> big guest list of people. We did an Eventbrite list, and so whoever signed up, it was no pay. It was just we just needed to have a limit because they wouldn't let the entire world in the place. There was a cap. And Derek emailed me, and he said, he goes, hey, I want to come inside the event, but I don't know how to get in. I never got myself a ticket. I said, well, just tell the guy at the door you know me. And he went up and said, I know Jimmy the rest. And they go, all right, then come in. And then he walked right up to me inside the event, and he just goes, I just got in. He goes, I used your name. I got in. I said, that's great. <laughs> and then we've been friends, like, literally since that moment. We had a really it's interesting, a good conversation, guy. and we stayed friends. And uh, when the show came about, you know, he's been my confidant. We traveled. We started traveling together. I do all these shows alone. Taylor doesn't want to go with me. And we have chickens and horses and everything else. So it's hard to leave the house. So I do these events alone. And then one by one, Derek started kind of hanging out with me. And he became my travel buddy to all these events. And, you know, you travel with somebody. There's no better way of bonding with anybody than traveling with them and sharing a hotel room with them, you know. Yeah. Well, now yeah. that I have your phone number, I just want Derek to know this. Hopefully he'll hear this is that I am going to start becoming your new best friend. That's it. We just got we got to travel together. You get to see yeah. all my weird idiosyncrasies. I really really think that you need a new best friend. Not that yeah. Derek isn't a great one and all, but yeah. I yeah. just think He's got Malden to worry about, you know. <laughs> but the funny I, I thing is uh yeah, just ask Derek. If you ever get Derek on the show, just ask him about all my travel habits. He loves telling everybody what a way to I've seen some of his uh <laughs> stories different times. It's hilarious. Yeah. The GoPro in the bathroom, and I, I told him, I said, well, that's just where he does his best work, you know? So. <laughs> you, you, I have to say that, Jimmy, it's such a pleasure to have you on here. Thank and you. Um, I want, I guess, you know, um, people tell me this now, which is strange, so, and you probably heard it for a long time is that, you know, what what our work means to them, you know, that in, it inspires them to do things. And I get people sending me notes and really nice things all the time. I get great notes about, every day. Yeah, every day. Yeah. Like what you were saying about the community is that there's just such love and admiration for between us all, which is just fantastic. And I think that's, I say this all the time, I found my freaks, everybody that, that we kind of hang out with, they're all my freaky folks. And we hang out and talk a lot online most of the time, but then we, we're alone together in our workshops, you know, we're doing work and, you know, creating content and also um, doing what you discussed in your TED talk almost seven, eight years ago now, where you were saying it's important to have this, the freedom to allow your subconscious mind to solve problems. And I yes. think that that's, uh, you mentioned my grinder project, my grinder project solved a problem for a lot of people. Um, it took the cost away from owning a, a, an amazing tool, which you have many of, uh, one of my favorite grinders on the mass produced market, which is yeah. the Ameribraid grinder Yeah, I love in it. your workshop. It's an excellent, they're just an excellent tool. And I tell this yeah. to people all the time. If you don't have a two by 72 belt grinder in your workshop, whether it's a revolution or not, whatever you decide to go with, it will be a, a welcome tool that you'll go to almost every day in your workshop. The game so changer. Yeah. Like it's it funny because as a kid growing up, I always had the, uh, the one by 36 always and me and my brother used to make signs and we would use the the edge of the one one inch belt grinder to and it was called the belt sander you know it wasn't called the belt grinder right. that name yeah. changed recently and uh so i always had one in my shop 
But then when I started seeing knife makers using these big ones, you know, I always do this like extreme. You think to yourself, okay, if you have a piece of sandpaper that's one by one inch and you use it, it'll get used up quickly. If it's 12 by 12 inches, it gets used up less fast. And now where you had like the 36 inch belt by one inch, now you have two by 72. You have that much more surface area for it to last longer. And so when I saw that, I'm like, I'm not necessarily going to make knives, but I'm going to use that for everything I could think of. And so when those yeah. became sort of the standard shop tool, I definitely got my hands on one. I'm surprised you don't see more, even wood shops have them, you know? That's what like I mean. Like I, always, I, grew, I grew up with it and that's what I use it for a lot. Now I yeah. bought, the reason I got 18 of them is because we bought, uh, jokingly, I bought a Beaumont. My first one was a Beaumont that I bought from them. I ordered it from them. And that was a big purchase at the time. You know, it was like, oh, wow, can I, can I, can I sacrifice $2,500 right. for one of these? Like, I don't cheap. know. It's a lot of money. Yeah. So anyway, I, I ordered one. They made that for me about seven, eight years ago. And then, um, then I bought a used one from a fan who was moving out of town. He called me, he lived up here and he said, Hey, because I'm getting rid of my knife making stuff because I got to move. So I bought that from him. So then I had two Beaumonts. So I had the two Beaumonts and then going into the very first knife making class I did with Steve Pellegrino, who's a former student of mine. I was like, we need, we need, uh, we need grinders. He goes, you can have two people, you can have people sharing two grinders. And so I called up a Merobraid because Paul Pinto had just gotten an Ameribraid and he was developing a friendship with them. And so I said, guys, give me a price for four grinders, two 220s and two 110s volts. And uh, so they gave me about a 40% discount, which I didn't expect. I, you wow. know, I didn't know them and they just kind of like, they looked me up and they're like, maybe we'll get some good airtime from this guy. And so to their credit, they gave me like about a 30 to 40% discount on those four machines and paid them. They showed up. Thankfully, I was away shooting the TV show making it. Because when they showed up, my my buddies were here and they unpacked the machines and, bo- <laughs> and put them together and bolted them to tables. So when I came home, they were already done. I was like, thank you, everybody. Perfect. Yeah. I, I, I can't stand. The one thing I hate is getting Putting a new product shit together. Put, and having to put it together. <laughs> I, I, there's so many times where I'm like, can I just buy this one? Well, that's the floor yep. model. I'm like, I don't care what it is. Yep. Can I just have this one? Because when I get home, I just throw it in my truck. I get home and I take it off my truck. I don't want to put bolts in this. Yeah. So anyway, so then recently, uh, I've actually sold, apparently I've sold a lot of grinders for Ameribraid because I'm always telling people, drop my name, maybe you'll get a discount. There's no official agreement with them. They've just been good to the fans that come through me. And uh, they recently have a new design. They said, hey, if you wouldn't mind just showing off the new design. So they sent me two yeah. new ones. So now I have eight eight grinders. <laughs> yeah. I, I recently gave one to Rob Rojas because now I don't know when I don't know when we're gonna get back to making knife classes again, just because yeah. of what's going on. You know, the pandemic is is still lingering and yeah. I can't consciously open my house up for a weekend to fifteen people and you know. Yeah. Then all of a sudden, some new mutant thing will show up, and then I got to refund <laughs> yeah, people. That, man. That, so mm. so yeah. I'm just waiting it out. And then in the <clears> meantime, <throat> the Blackthorn Resort, where we do Maker Camp down the road, we're going to do a class uh, April the weekend of April 3rd for the first uh, a first blacksmithing class. So instead of doing them here at my house, where it's it's just like the house can't really handle this, the septic can't yeah. handle so many people. And anyway, we're going to move some of these classes down the road. That seems like such a awesome venue just you know how 
perfect is it? Just like in your backyard and oh, <laughs> great yeah, people yeah. and it's great. You know. Yeah, I've been I've been. I, it's funny when I met Austin and I've talked about this. When I met Austin, he said, "Hey, what if I did this thing at my family farm at my family resort? Would you Would you help promote it?" I said, "Without a doubt, you know, yeah. this way I could alleviate people coming here." And like, yep. you know, of course, when whenever we do an event at the Blackthorn, there's always a gaggle of people that want to come and see the shop. And I'm more than happy to show everybody. But they leave after an hour. They look around, yeah. take pictures of the chickens, and then they leave. Whereas <laughs> when we would do the weekend classes, it was – I made some of my closest friendships during those. And I'm still friends with everybody that has come through here. But those weekends yeah. were, were very stressful doing the catering and, you know, me yeah. and Taylor bickering behind the scenes. And, you know, we yep. li- were like literally arguing over like – how hot Sandwiches. to make the meatballs while somebody <laughs> yeah. walks in the room like oh hey how's it going hey 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 no everything's yep. good can i help you and then they, no 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 everything's good and then they leave it we can't put them out they're too cold or like it doesn't yeah. matter they just want to eat you know that's so that one was, of the, this that's this a, brings up a good a good question that i've had in my head for a while because people ask me this all the time which is about transparency you know um i think you're one of the first people that i heard talk just about anything you know you're you're very open with your information about even finances and how you make things and do things and your process to a fault yeah i have a big mouth well let me ask you this (laughs) is it really a fault because in in my opinion i think i think definitely there's no there shouldn't be any secrets and transparency is is actually a beautiful thing because you're educating people who want to be like you yeah right i mean yeah well i can go ahead jimmy Oh, no, no. I was Go ahead. You asked, Ben. Tell me what I, you were going to ask. I was just thinking, because I, I can remember when I first got on social media yeah. and people would get a brand deal or they'd work with a tool company, right? And then at times the community would kind of, you know, bag on them for selling out or whatever, yeah. you know, but that level of transparency, I think, if you can maintain it, yeah. Um, it's, it's healthy for everybody. Right. So yeah. it's not surprising that Jimmy got a discount on a Marabraid grinders, but that's because right. I, I feel like I know a bit more about the behind the scenes. Right. Right. Well, so, I'll tell you kind of where it started to, to happen. Like this going back, say seven or eight years ago, maybe six, maybe nine years ago. I don't know. Um, well, we've been doing the podcast for six years. And so it was the very beginning of the, so six years ago, seven years ago, we started getting, each one of us would slowly get hit up for a brand deal. And <clears throat> sorry, my rooster, I'm going to kick that motherfucker. He doesn't stop. <laughs> don't get it. makes uh, me feel like I'm at home, man. <laughs> don't ever get he, he guinea walked. hens if you don't like roosters. Oh, we already got rid of them. We got we had oh, them first. So we had those. My old man shot them all. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, we started getting hit up with brand deals. And like we would get made, we would be given offers based on our audience size. So me, Bob, and Dave would get on the thing together. And Bob started growing really quickly. So Bob would get an offer for like, say, 1200 for the same, they would shop around to the same people, not realizing we all talk. Yeah. So April would get hit up. Izzy would get hit up. I would get hit up. And then like, we'd all be offered various amounts, like from like $1,000, <laughs> anywhere from like free product to like $1,200 for like, yeah. like, and then I said to everybody, and I'm not taking credit for this, but I do remember specifically emailing Izzy, April, Bob, Dave, and a few other people at the same time. I said, guys, if we get hit up, we all have to say $5,000. Right. We all have to say 5000 because we can't keep getting piecemealed. You know, yeah. so in my own one little, my one little thing, I just did it one time. I didn't make a big deal of it. 
I said, let's unionize and everybody say $5,000. Because if they're going to yeah. start shopping around, even if, say, one channel has considerably less viewers, that one <clears throat> view could be watched by somebody that wants to buy the company. And sure. so I, I always say that, you know, when people do affiliate deals, I'm like, no, 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 I don't care about the affiliate deals. No. You want you you want to be on my thing? Just, you know, let's come to an agreement for a number. And that's it. I don't care about, oh, but you could make a lot more money. I don't care. I want to make that money yeah. up front. You could make a lot more money if somebody comes along and wants to buy your company. Yeah, it so, goes both ways, right? Yes. Jimmy DeResta <clears throat> and Jimmy Hoffa. <laughs> yeah, right. Mm, exactly. I don't get in the back seat of any Cadillac together now. I see what's happening. No, so I, I told these guys, and you know, it it got to a point where like, and we still do. Like April will call me, or uh, you know, recently Zyla has really been kicking off really good. Zyla, she's uh mm -hmm. in this in the in the girl maker space with the uh, computer and computer stuff. If you guys know, you guys know Zyla. She's she's yes. got a great little channel. She's really done really well last year. You know, Zyla will call that, me. Jimmy? X, How do you spell X, it? X Y L A, I think. I think so. Um, I'll find I'll find a link to her channel. But <clears> she, <throat> uh, yes. you know, she's recently called me on some behind the scenes, and I just say, you know, I got paid this much, I got paid that much, whatever it is, yeah. and uh, you know, just to even the playing field because when you think of these brands that come to us, they it's ten thousand dollars is a huge amount of money for us to do one week's for worth us. of work or you know yeah. one day's worth of work to them it's nothing but they will nickel and dime you on that ten thousand but at the same time they'll turn around and do a hundred and twenty five thousand dollar half a page print ad yep. in an industry magazine that will get watched that'll get looked at by twenty thousand people instead of twenty thousand yep. people in one day exactly so when yeah. you start comparing the metrics to what these people are. They're in an industry where they're used to paying, you know, $20,000 for a, sh a show booth where yeah. maybe maybe 800 people will see it on a weekend. Right. You know, and, and out of that 800, you might, you might convert three people into doing what you need them to do for your business there at that show. But you have yeah. to be there to be present to see like you're keeping up with everybody. That's important. Yep. Well, let that's me ask you I this, always... Jimmy. Is, is yeah. the trade show... The, the days of the trade show starting to die because, you know, somebody asked me like, hey, why don't you do a display over at Blade Show or at uh, Workbench Con or all these these places yeah. where I could be in front of, you know, my key audience. And I'm like, well, I'd make a YouTube video and I get in front of 20,000 to 50,000 yeah. of my and it targeted costs you audience. Cost me nothing. I travel nowhere. I make the video. I put my best foot right. forward. I will say that the trade shows that I do go to, which I really enjoy, it's more about rubbing elbows like just talking 100%. with people and yeah. hanging out and you know how many people came to workbench con that didn't buy a ticket just hung out in the lobby i see that's no and that was gonna bring that up wow. because i've heard some some really interesting feedback about workbench con yeah it was I've about 10 year, there but. was about 10 people that i consider close friends in the lobby at workbench con that didn't even buy a ticket yeah well, and literally everyone I've spoken to about it has admitted I go to hang out in the lobby, and it's like, yeah. well, then why pay the extra thousand bucks to Same go with into Blade the damn show, show? You know, I mean, these people are going to hear us talking about it, and they're going to say, you know what, we're moving the bar inside the venue. <laughs> right? Know? Yeah, yeah. That's the yeah. trick. Probably right be a smart move. Yeah, be a smart yeah. move. Yeah, but yeah, it I, is interesting, I, uh, you know. That camaraderie, that in-person uh, relationship building is really hard to replace. Um, yeah. You can't do it well online. I think yeah. we're getting better at it. I watch my kids and my kids are like, I don't care if I ever see a fucking person again. You know, <laughs> <laughs> I see him on the screen. Great, dad. I can talk to 
Quinn right here. <laughs> you know, right. it's like, yeah. so no, it might it's, change. It's, it's, online has been amazing. Like I, I consider some, some of my friends, close friends, I never met them in person, mm-hmm. but we met online. Like Ben, you and I have been talking for the last couple of years yeah. online. Yeah. And all three it, of you guys, yeah. It, it's just amazing that, uh, you know, where the world has gone, considering where it's where we've all come from, where yeah. you had to go to a thing to be there. Like I used to go to Toy Fair since 1989 was my first Toy Fair. And I went to Toy Fair every year for 15 years. And then at yeah. one point, I just said to my brother, I don't feel like going to this thing anymore. I'm sick of going yeah. because I was kind of waning in the toy business. I kind of got out of it. But, you know, it's still a struggle now. Right. And the pandemic, I think, has accelerated that to to an extent. It's probably one small silver lining of all this crazy shit is, you know, you can you can have a doctor's appointment on the computer now, (laughs) you know, and it's made that communication style so much easier. Yeah. Yeah. But being being transparent, I think, is really important. And and again, in this industry, I think it's uh, it's been really it's mutually beneficial for everybody. You know, occasionally, like um, like I said, me, Bob, and Dave still kind of share numbers when it comes to it. But occasionally, like you meet people, and you know, you 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 get nervous to share numbers because you're like, either I'm yeah. either I'm getting, either I got a shit deal or my deal is too good. Right? <laughs> maybe, yeah. yeah. And people start saying, "Oh, you don't deserve that deal." Yeah. But for the most part, I'd say for the most part, I could pretty much share numbers with anybody, and everybody would be okay yeah. with it. And you know, and uh, I still want to share it publicly because of my, my I don't want my clients to be like, "Hey, don't don't you know." You're going to get yeah. me in trouble with our other clients. But personally, with people, one-on-one, I'm always more than willing to, sh- to tell people. Like I said, no matter what I've ever gotten paid by any brand, it's still a pittance compared to what they would do in, in traditional media. 100%. And for me, it's like, I'm getting paid. What I think is huge. Yeah. But right. it's, still, it's still one print dead. It's still one commercial spot. It's still one yep. thing. Yeah. So, yeah, it is incredible. Go ahead, Brian. Real, real quick, Jamie. I um, so when I look at the course of your career as a maker and as a creative, right? You're you're a guy that had like a, a grand vision for his life, you know. I think in terms of maybe you plan some things out, but I know better. I know that a lot of times the the path has a tendency to yeah. wind and turn, you know. And I heard you talking on the uh, I think it was making it with Bob and Dave about how you would go to these trade shows you were just at one in um vegas not too long ago and you went there solely to rub elbows with vendors you're like all i do is i walk around and i give my business card to every single person that'll listen to me right and i want them to know who i am and i want them to see my content so that maybe in you know one of them out of the 25 i call it planting seeds you just walk around and plant seeds (laughs) so that that notion that doing that hard work boots on the ground, right? That's like an old school concept. You're 10 years older than me. I know about it because I'm 45 now, right? So that was how business was done 20 years ago. We were wandering around. Every single person I talked to, I'd want them to know. And now even today, anytime I have a, a, like for instance, uh, today's my birthday, so it's another revolution around the sun, right? I'm I'm just always talking about my project. (laughs) Sure. I, I and, and and I want you to know that I learned that from you because for oh, so man. long <laughs> people would say like shut the hell up you're talking about yeah. yourself too much and your projects too much like you're pr- self promoting like did, God forbid Impossible. you do it on Reddit but you you can't <laughs> do it right. on Reddit but but you can do it just about anywhere on Instagram and then I started seeing j- the classic Deresta uh, the stencil 
on yes. all of your stuff, right? Yep. And I started, you know, over time, it takes a while. Brand recognition takes some time. And you start yep. thinking about this shit and you go, that motherfucker did that yep. because he knew every person would see that that army stencil Duresta. They'd <laughs> see it in their heads, in their dreams, and they would know who he is. He painted the world with Duresta can all over everything. Nobody rip off your content. I'm, I'm stroking your shaft a little bit and your balls tickling <laughs> a little bit here. I, I know, I know this, but I, I don't know when I'm going to be able to say this to you again. Oh, thank you. Uh, how thank brilliant you. it is for an artist to convert yeah. into a business person yeah. and marry the two together. I say this all the time. It's super difficult yeah. to take creative endeavors and business well, I'll tell and put you them what. together. I'll tell you yeah. what, I just know, for instance, I, I grew up in and around New York City. I lived in Manhattan for the last 30 years. I just finally gave up my apartment this year. But the the idea of graffiti artists that just put their name on anything everywhere without any plan other than to be seen. It's like, I exist and I yeah. want you to know I exist. It's obviously a selfish point of view. But being in the city, there's so many graffiti artists that I see their name everywhere. And I kind of took a clue from them uh, in the idea of like, let me just, my tag is my logo. Let me put it up enough. And you see, uh, there's a, for instance, there's a, there's a graffiti artist named Futura from New York. He's now doing art shows. You put your name on enough things and yeah. you force it down enough throats to the point where people be like, why... Am I supposed to be paying for this? Do I need right. to pay to be part of this? Because suddenly it crosses that threshold. And for me, it's been an ongoing experiment. It's been an ongoing experiment. It's also been a, like a fuck you to the guys, that to the haters. Sure. It's like, oh, like even recently, you know, this controversy around the new show and people are tweeting ne negative, angry things about me. And okay. and like somebody's like, oh, he's got no talent. All he does is write his name on everything. And I write, yeah, that's right. Yeah. I write my name on everything. <laughs> that's my and talent, everything I sell, <laughs> Everything I sell has my name on it because- People want to buy my name. And I'm, I'm just I, looking I, up though. all the negative oh. stuff about you on Twitter right now. I right. Mean, oh, I, man. I hope it doesn't bother you, Jimmy. That I'm too. <laughs> <laughs> now, well, there's a couple. There's a couple of narratives going. There's a, there's two oh. narratives going around about the show, and one of them is that the show was lifted from some other similar show, and it's not true. Oh, and then on. the other narrative is that the show is super dangerous. But that's only coming from within the maker community, believe it or not. That's not coming from outside really? the maker community. Well, that's sad. That's yeah, yeah, cool. it's tough. I haven't been Poor on Twitter shit. in two weeks because the people kind of... Oh, and then there's a I'm couple sorry. people following the hashtag, like, you know, making fun Netflix show, whatever it is. And like, so for instance, if a complete stranger that doesn't know anything about the maker community says, I love making fun on Netflix. It's my new favorite show. Somebody will creep into the hashtag and be like, well, if you like that show, you should see the original where they stole it. Oh, the of course. Uh, Promote it on yeah. whatever yeah. the hell it So is. there's a couple yeah. of that going around. And, you know, it's unfortunate and it's not true. And, you know, it's... Parallel yeah. thinking happens all the well, time. Well, you know. Here's the thing about adversity and what I've discovered. So I don't remember who told me this, but they said the minute you start getting opposition, you know you are on the right path. And that yeah, yeah. has really been true for me because I got a lot of feedback initially with the project, but I kept pushing through, kept creating content, kept pushing and pushing and thank yeah. god i have people like you jimmy who i look up to to see that you know if you do it enough that eventually the assholes who tend to be the smallest percentage but the loudest they yeah. are the ones that are going to eventually have to quiet down and then the community which rallies around us yeah then starts yeah. fighting our battles for us we don't even have right. to fight them anymore which is yeah. pretty great yeah and yeah. I think, i've stayed you know, i've stayed pretty I much imagine, out of it 
Yeah, I've stayed out of it, just letting it die down. I'm not one for fighting in public. You know, I I try to, even when somebody hits me hard in the comment section on my videos, if it's something that's just flat out rude, I'll delete it. But if it's something that has like a little, like a tinge of creative criticism or constructive criticism, even though it might come across as being rude, I'll answer it. And, but I'll answer it in a, in a, so for instance, here's an example I recently made and I, and I do these things. I make these decisions in real time and I say, you know what? This will be good for trolls. So I'll leave it in. You know, I'll make yep. this bad decision yep. purposely for a troll. Brian's been and, stroking the trolls lately too. And, yeah, I heard. <laughs> I've been listening to you guys talking about this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So for instance, like I made this Starrett toolbox a couple of videos ago and I got down to having to put a rabbit in the bottom of the drawer bottom. And I was like, do I need to put a rabbit in here? And I'm like, I only have limited time. I don't want to fill the room with sawdust. It's like, you know, I'm thinking of all the reasons why I don't want to put a rabbit in the bottom. (laughs) Can I cheat a little? (laughs) If I just glue this bottom directly and it's wrapped by by three-quarter inch oak, if I put a rabbit in, I'm literally adding about 15% more glue surface area. Right. The the 85% glue surface area is still on the side glue joint, in the sheer mm-hmm. in the sheer glue joint. I was like, screw it. Let me put it in. I'm sure it's going to irk the hell out of some people. <laughs> and I popped, sure I glued enough. the joint. I popped it in. I put some air nails in from the side, but I didn't show that in the video. And right. sure enough, it's like, everyone's like, wow, that's a horrible way of putting the draw bottom in. <laughs> but if I put a rabbit in there and the rabbit was say, yeah. you know, an eighth of an inch It'd deep. overkill. <laughs> They would say, oh, that's the proper way to do it. Now, why? Because I'm adding literally 15 to 10% more glue surface area? No, because some guy with more gray hair than you said that's the way you should do it. (laughs) Right. So, and I said, so somebody's like, what a disaster. And I was, he said something about the way I did. And it's in the comment section. You can dig it up. So I wrote to him and I said, I reasoned with him. I was like, I'm not sure why people keep saying this is a disaster. I didn't like defend myself angrily. I just said, this is, this is my reasoning. My reasoning was, if I'm going to do a rabbit, it's going to create all this extra work for me. And the drawer is going to have 10 pounds of tools in it at the most. At most, yeah. And it's, when have you glued something and the sheer strength has given up? Like Never. Yeah. Well, I've glued, I've been using type on glue my whole life. It's never, ever given up on anything. Right. Unless it's been wet and dried and wet and dried. Yeah. You know, it's just like a moist situation. And, so anyway, that I was my reasoning. Too- And he came back and he said, okay, I get it now. He goes, okay, cool. He goes, I just wouldn't have done it that way. But, you know, so I've been kind of, I have a a certain charm, I like to think, that I can set trolls in in a different direction. (laughs) At least least get them on a conversation that's not contentious. Well, I always like to think, too, that, you know, it's like, it's my fucking toolbox. (laughs) (laughs) And I built the goddamn thing. And if it breaks, I'll fix it. Well, that's the other thing. People always say, you know? well, what about this and what about that? I was like, well, you know what? I'm not sure if it breaks, I'm going to have to hire somebody to fix it. I'm not yeah. Sure I'm <laughs> right? Yeah. Now, this, so. this leads me to my next question, Jimmy. When can we expect the Jimmy DeResta celebrity meltdown? I'm thinking like a year <laughs> yeah. out. Yeah. Maybe like we, we get some we like grainy <laughs> cell phone footage of you smashing a bandsaw. Or, or, um, well, I'll tell you one thing. I said to Taylor, Taylor's been my partner now for 12 years. She's amazing. You know, uh, uh, Taylor's been with me since, since the beginning of YouTube. I, was, I actually wasn't on oh. YouTube when we got together. And uh, I said to her, like, with what's going on, people are trying to dig dirt on me probably to try and get me canceled sure. because, you know, there's some negs out there about the show. And I said to Taylor, I said, thank God it's been me and you this whole way. This whole right. entire time. It's been me and you. And I'm sober. I'm, I'm 
stone cold sober as as a judge my mom likes to say (laughs) i'm sober i don't smoke i don't smoke pot i don't take pills i hardly ever take an aspirin i'm absolutely like when someone says straight edge i am 100 straight edge i will actually hesitate to take an aspirin not and not because i'm like anti you know medicine i just i'm like why do i need to it's just gonna like burn my stomach acid i don't need it you know whatever so long story short I have, there's no drunken episodes of me out there. There's no me (laughs) catting around at these, yeah, there's no me catting around at these shows, you know, you know, I passed, I passed probably 10 FBI background checks that I've had to to take into my (laughs) life. You've stepped past uh, YouTube fuck you money into Netflix fuck you money. That, that could <laughs> exactly. be a whole new level, you know? It could be open no, some well, new doors. <laughs> like I said to Taylor, I said, thank God, you know, her and I have had a great relationship. We've grown this business yeah. together. She's done a tremendous amount behind the scenes. Yeah. And thank God I don't have any, you know, we're not married technically, but, you know, we're basically married. But well, you I guys haven't seem had to have any. so much fun. Yeah, we do. We do. And she's not she's not extremely public, so she she kind of stays no. behind the scenes until she's in a good mood and then she acts like a fool in front of the camera for a minute. <laughs> the three but, of us have talked a, a few different times on the show just about, you know, having a partner who's also your best friend and I think that's yeah. you, know, you can I've I don't know. I I've seen that come Taylor's a maker, yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, Taylor's a maker. She makes furniture and yep. and uh but she's also really good at administrative furniture. stuff. Yeah, yeah she, she does really well with her stuff. She's she's doing good. And she's working on some new designs right now. So does she sell that mostly local or direct folks? direct yeah. online through okay. her website? She makes yeah. she sells about two or three chairs a month. She doesn't nice. want it to be her main thing. She's focusing on a couple other things. She's trying to become an interior designer. So yeah. she's been focusing on that. And, and you know, she uses barn the house designer. as a guinea pig. A barn designer, she, yeah. Yeah. She made a leather chair not long ago that was maybe like a year ago or something that I saw mm-hmm. on Instagram and I was just like, I want that chair. Yeah. It she has one design. My house. It's yeah, so she has beautiful. one design that sells the most of. It's called the uh, the lounge, uh the uh the, the lounge it's, she calls it the lounge chair. It's kinda like a lobby chair you'd see in a hotel. And she sells that the most. That and the dining chair she sells the most of. Yeah, it's really well, cool. So, Jimmy, I wanted to bring up a conspiracy theory about you. Um, yeah. I don't know if you've heard this, but um, so there's a there's a whole bunch of people, maybe not a whole bunch, maybe a handful of people who have who have brought this up online that Nick Offerman's character on Parks and Recreation, Ron uh-huh. Swanson, <laughs> was partially based on you. Oh, I never <laughs> heard that ever. You haven't heard Ooh. this? No. Well, I then you've heard it, it here I first. I definitely see it. This okay, so grow. you're familiar. I know you know Nick and <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, and and all of that. And so and you. This knew is the him. first I'm hearing about this. I swear, so, I, mean, I had huh. no idea. That's the first so I'm this, hearing th- it too. This isn't like a public thing. A couple of people have brought it up to me and asked me right. directly, and I was like, I don't know. I mean, and I thought, you know, though. this is an interesting topic because a lot of us identify with Nick Offerman's character, Ron Swanson, sure. on Parks and Rec. Yeah. Because he, you know, he's libertarian. There's just all this great stuff about yeah. him that I just love. About he's my favorite character on that show. Sure. And then about like, I don't know, a few months ago, you posted a photo, old school photo of you in New York City with Nick doing like a yeah. video project or something. I don't remember exactly. Yeah, the that context. was the canoe that we did. Yeah. yeah, the canoe. Yes. And I thought, okay, maybe there is something to this because you knew each other for a long time, even before yeah. <laughs> Parks and Rec. So maybe, yeah. you know, maybe ask Nick if, if there was any 
sort of. I don't know <laughs> if he had anything to do with the writing or anything, but his. No, no, no. I'll tell you the way Nick and I. So I did the TV show uh, Hammered, and it's it's hard to believe that I'm thinking about this in such distant past. But I did the TV show Hammered. We started late in '05, did all of '06 and part of '07, and in the like kind of toward the end of the run. My brother got a show on Comedy Central and Nick was in the cast. And Nick and my brother became friendly. And then Nick and his wife came to New York because she was on Broadway in in 07 and 08. And Nick kind of in a in a a uh, uh, an exploratory trip, he reached out to John and said, hey, can I talk to your brother? Because he had seen me on the TV show that me and John did, Hammered. And he said, I want to talk to your brother about shop space in New York. And so Nick, Nick and I met up and... First time I ever met him. And, you know, he was just another actor like my brother, you know, so, but his wife was famous. Everybody, oh, his wife's the girl from the TV right. show, you know. And uh, so Nick obviously is, is, like, what you see is what you get. Like, Nick on TV is almost exactly the same as Nick that you would meet alone in person. He's very funny. Yeah. He's, he's He's got a few <clears throat> choice words. He doesn't say much, but what he does say matters. And, uh, you know, he's he's a uh, sweet guy and very caring for everybody and anybody you know he's i think if he wasn't such a public figure he'd be more like me and like giving out information constantly um but so uh he says i want to build a canoe in new york i want to build a canoe while my wife is working on broadway but i need a place to do it he looked at my shop there really wasn't enough room and uh i suggested i go look in red hook there's a couple of places around and he found a place in red hook which was this incredible shop he rented it was like a it was a art collective it was a carpenter collective and it was some great guys in there every one of those guys was like uber talented woodworkers way before youtube era before like you know all these guys would be showing off now but they don't care to they just each job each commission is 25 thirty thousand dollar commission making a chair making a you know making a a a credenza making a this making a that these guys were unbelievable and nick rented one of the spaces on this floor and he reached out to me and he, and he says, if you feel like coming by. So I, I had a Harley at the time. I would rode my Harley out there and I was hanging out with him. And he's like, <clears throat> he said, I'm going to try and build this boat. And I spoke to the people at Bear Mountain Boats and I asked them if you would be interested in filming it. He goes, I already asked them if they would be okay with that. I'm asking you now for the first time. Is that something you would want to <laughs> do? And I was like, yeah, I'll do it. Why not? Yeah, that'd be cool. Because I was dabbling in video production at the time. Mm-hmm. And uh and then he calls me and he says, he goes, hey, these guys want us to drive up and get the get the boat parts. Do you feel like taking a ride with me? At first I said no, but then a couple of days went by and I was like, yeah, I'll take a ride. And I, I hardly knew Nick. I had only met him like two right. times at this point. And we got in a car together and drove seven hours to Toronto. And he was he was he big time then at that time? No, not, not really. Yet. I mean, you know, yeah. like he was he was like, you know, he was kind of like a upper B almost upper B celebrity because of his wife, you know, sure. he had done yeah, so okay. many character acting roles at that point. And so going into the summer of 2008, I believe it was, we went up and met Joan and Ted, got the parts, came down. No, so it was going into the winter of 2008, I think it was. Yeah, it was into the winter of 2008. We got the boat kits. I started filming him build them. And uh, we made friends with Joan and Ted at Bear Mountain Boats, came back down to the city. And that whole trip, we bonded. Funny, we hit, we came back to New York with two boat kits strapped to the roof of my Toyota Tundra. They were 18 <laughs> feet long. We got to Brooklyn and we realized we can't fit them in the stairwell. <laughs> they don't make the turn in the stairwell. And so we, half it, was like, it was like two in the morning. We're in Brooklyn and Red Hook roping these things up a window oh, onto the, window. the third floor where his shop was. We roped these two boat kits up which is just basically just full of wood. And it's just a tube. It's like a tube that's like 
eight, 16 inch tube yeah. packed with like long 18 foot strips of cedar and, cedar and, you know, hardwoods. And we roped them up and got them up into the studio. And then we started, Nick, Nick would build the boat and I'd come and film him. Nice. And, uh, and considering the boat has like four quadrants and, you know, it's like two mirrored ends, he would work on one piece, get comfortable with it and say, okay, this week is good. And I come in, I'd film him for a few hours doing another part, which is a mirrored image of it so that he looked good at what he was doing because mm-hmm. he was doing it for the first time. Yeah. And we became friends. That's, you know, that was our bonding experience. And then in the middle of that, he kept getting casting calls and occasionally I'd shoot him doing doing a read and then I just edit the clip and give it to him. And then he would submit that as the, as his cast for whatever that is, you know, and he started talking about parks and rec and he started saying, yeah, Amy Poehler wrote this part for me. Him and Amy are old friends. They go back to when they both were doing uh, improv in, in, in second city in, in, uh, in Chicago. And, you know, so they were basically college students together. Hmm. Uh, and he was talking about this, this new part that Amy had written for him and, he goes, it's really, it's written for me because I really hope I get it. He goes, there's a chance I might not get it, even though it was written for me, you know, because it all depends on who likes me and who doesn't, you know, whatever. Yeah, somebody out there might be better at being me than me. <laughs> exactly. It, it happens. It happens. Yeah. Um, and uh, anyway, that was the beginning of the, of the Ron Swanson character. Yeah. It's such and, a... Well, that Small rumor world. now is out there in the maker world. So if anybody go. knows about this, you could also uh, have Nick <laughs> I ask think, Amy maybe. I think uh, the Ron Swanson character is is Nick is Nick's id. You yeah. know, I think it's Nick's yeah. id because he Nick loves and does all those things. He loves right. whiskey. He really loves whiskey. He loves a certain type of meat. Like I never heard the term rasher of bacon before I met Nick. And like right. I heard him talk about a rasher of bacon before I heard Ron Swanson talk about a rat. Yeah. A rasher of bacon is just like basically like a little cord of, of pork bacon that you cut <laughs> up at like a, you know, you can get it at like a fancy steakhouse. Yeah. And it's just like a chunk of bacon that you like a, instead of a stick of butter, it's a stick of bacon. Bacon. <laughs> It's almost like he he turned it up to eleven with all of his idiosyncrasies, you know. He really did, and you know, and uh, just the, at the end of the day, the the love of like woodworking, he he just slowly yeah. morphed into uh, all of his loves into that character, and they just went with it. And, well, and his and obviously the canoe. If you guys saw the final episode, that is the second canoe kit we got when we went to Toronto, and it's okay. hanging in my dining room right now. That's the one yeah. he used in the final episode of uh, Parks and Rec. I've got his newest book on in Audible that I haven't started yet, but oh yeah, we have the Buffalo Room. Yeah, it's it's always fun to listen to his books, but at some point, like after a full day of listening, you're like, okay, I have I've had enough Nick for today. <laughs> you know? like, well, I've been listening oh. to his uh, his his uh, his new thing. I wish I could remember the name off the top of my head, but I get him emailed to me now. I signed up for the uh, subscription. He yeah. does uh, random thoughts every week, once a week. Nice. And he's got a, a, a thriving wood shop out in California, too. He does. Right? Yeah, he's got a good crew of people really that work cool for him. Stuff. Yeah, really diverse group uh, from what I've seen. And I think it's just kind of a really cool hangout spot and, and workshop. But that's neat. So, yeah, for uh, sure. Jimmy, there's another gentleman on this podcast. His name is Brian. Cotton. Right. I know. The, I, was gonna say, say, I, I know. Speaker. Brian. Okay. Uh, so uh, I'll not, shut up for a minute, Brian. Go I ahead. don't know if you know Brian Cohn, but uh, I know him from you guys. Uh, I've been listening he, to you guys, and now I know, and I know him from, from here. Now, now you know his face, and the yes. reason why I think he's Handsome excellent. Guy. 
Ha- very handsome. Uh, Looks like oh, Nick's geez, brother, by the way. He does yeah. look like, like Nick's brother. And hey, there and go. so Brian, um, I know you want to jump in here, but you you know you're you're reserving. I, there's a there's a smart question in there somewhere that you want to ask <laughs> Jimmy. <laughs> Pull it out of your beard and ask him. Whether, yeah, yeah, whether so or not I can get past the beard. I've, I've just been enjoying this banter between you guys. You could, I mean, I could listen to you guys for hours, but yeah, yeah. I mean, um, I guess something that is really on my mind right now is um, I'm looking at have. So I'm a knife maker and, you know, I, I do one off custom pieces and whatnot. And I'm sure. looking into getting more production knives done. And I have right. a company that will basically it's TR Maker. Um, it's a guy that you know Brian and I both know pretty well. He's a great guy over in Turkey, and basically he is look he is able to cut out, heat treat, and grind bevels. So basically, this thing this would allow me to massively reduce the amount of time and effort I put into making these knives, which will allow me to massively reduce the you know, cost of these knives. So I'm looking at instead of having, you know, six, seven, eight hundred dollar chef knives, you know, having like hundred fifty to two hundred dollar chef knives. So right. my question is to you, you know, you know, we want to be makers. At what point is it no longer, you know, something that you can say I mean, obviously that's not fully handmade at that point. Right. Is that well, an avenue, you know, kind of going into that higher production, is that an avenue that is smart for me to try to look into? Well, you know what? We do this. Handmade is obviously something that nobody's ever going to stop doing. If it's in your blood, you're going to keep handmaking. Oh, absolutely. But it doesn't hurt to have a line of products that sell, you know, come rain or shine. God forbid you become incapacitated for one reason or another. You need a, a stream of income to continue to come in. And if you have the opportunity to get the pricing right, the production right on, you know, a particular product, whether it's a knife or anything, I, I don't see there should be no shame in taking that route. Oh, put your fucking name on it. <laughs> that's it. Just, you designed it. You know, there are people that Laser never actually touch anything. It. You know, we all know certain brand names. I can't even think of one <clears> off the top of my head, but we know brand names that we put all our trust and faith into because they've been branded for so long. They've never even done what they're selling. They've right. thought of it and put it into, implemented it. You know, like Henry Ford, for instance. You right. know, yeah. Maybe he made his first couple of cars, but now it's just the second, obviously, uh, it's just the household name. Yeah. And, you know, you think of a car, oh, Ford made this. You know, you think of the guy Ford, but he didn't actually make the car. So right. that's an extreme example of if you have your pricing right, if you have your distribution, if you have the audience demand, there's no reason why you shouldn't make the very first 100 ice picks. And then the next month, oh, somebody else wants another, oh, another hundred ice picks, another hundred ice picks, another hundred ice picks. You know what? Now I don't need to pre-sell them. I just make them and they sell. There you go. Here it is six years later. I must have made 10,000 ice picks. (laughs) I've trained 10,000. I've I've trained at least three people. Now Rob, well, four, five people, four people making ice picks for me. And I could still jump in there at any given time if there's a, a break in the action. You know, this weekend, Rob came. We made 500 ice picks this week because sales are up because my name is getting a little bit more yeah. public. But do you think you'll ever that's move the type those of thing. to like a, a mass production kind of environment? When I very first started, I, I made a couple of thousand of them in China and I just didn't yeah. like the way they looked. They kind of looked right. a little shiny. They didn't they, they didn't harden the tip. The tip is bendable. So instead of selling them for 60, I was selling them for 30. Yeah. And so once I sold through that batch, so I was still offering the handmade and the, and the Chinese version, but- I would love to get that production out of my shop. Yeah. <laughs> I just can't find anybody to well, make yeah. 
but like Brian and I and all three of us have talked a lot about the the sort of micro manufacturing movement. Yeah. You mentioned it on I think the last uh, Making It podcast about that that stuff's becoming a reality now, which is yeah. to me just exciting as hell. My father-in-law ran a powder metal plant in Pennsylvania before he retired, <clears throat> and they would, you know, stamp out and press uh, metal powders into car parts or refrigerator parts. You know. Oh yeah, I love that. Pro- that process is awesome. Incredible, and and as the plant grew and the company grew, <clears throat> he was challenged with not having enough labor. And he couldn't get folks to piss in a cup and, you know, pass a drug test or come to work, show up, you know, uh, be willing to make what they could make doing that type of labor, all all sorts of reasons. Um, But I've talked with him quite a bit, uh, you know, having a full career, a lifelong career in industrial manufacturing, pretty, pretty big, big sized manufacturing, you know. I asked him, it was a couple months ago, I said, what do you think about, you know, micromanufacturing dudes in their garage or their workshop, you know, building stuff? And, you know, he's like, I'll tell you the truth. He said, at first, I never believed it could move the needle, so to speak. You know, he's like, I never thought it could really make that much of a difference. He said, but I don't think we're very far away from, you know, if your John Deere breaks down, the, the guy shows up with the 3D printer and, right. you know, makes the part yeah. for you right there. I think it's really neat. Um, and I think that the maker community moves that needle significantly. No, um, I, the knife business is a, is a really specific one to, go, as yeah. a good example. So many of us are buying each other's knives, mm-hmm. yeah. you know. And then I started seeing uh, the reason I make this razor blade and this other stupid knife I make, which I, I don't happen to have a sample in front of me, but that yeah. one that's just kind of like a, yep. yeah, like they're called the skeleton knife, <clears throat> is because I wanted, I, there's so many knives I want, but I'm not going to spend $250 on a knife and then keep it precious in my drawer. Yeah, I'm the yep. idiot that buys a $300 knife, like this Benchmade, <laughs> and breaks the tip off of it two days after <laughs> I buy it, you know? <laughs> So I oh there you go. <laughs> you guys had a bench made? No, this is a Boker ceramic oh. uh ceramic oh. blade. So oh doesn't, wow. Doesn't what were you, uh, what were you prying open? Is, is it a blunted tip or did you break it off? <laughs> no, I snapped it because it's fucking ceramic. <laughs> <laughs> a ceramic blade does not make a good pry tool. No. <laughs> yeah. No. So that's go so going back to I thought, what do I want to make? Okay, this big giant razor blade is a is a is a thought that I had to make a video, but then once I made it, I'm like, wouldn't it be cool to have so many of these that I could just kind of throw them? They're on every shelf in my workshop. They're incredible. And Taylor's like, Do you have a razor blade? And she means <laughs> give me one of these to scrape or to chip or to pry. And you know, so we started yeah. selling them on the website and but I I found a manufacturer in China. It's the only place I could find. Yeah. And so they're made by a Chinese kitchen knife factory that my friend found. I used to be in the toy business, so we used to manufacture in China. And finding a company that manufactured, this by the way is a second, you see this was six, it has the date on it when the sample came in. This was, it it doesn't show there, but the name is, it only has a one-sided bevel, which Mm. when I sent, the first ones that I made had to bevel on both sides, but when I sent it to the factory, I sent them a picture and they sent me back a sample. My name was backwards. It doesn't look, it looks right here because it's not doing the mirrored (laughs) image. But, the name was cut in backwards and the bevel is only one-sided. And I was like, oh, no, I want the bevel to be both sides. And then I started playing with it. I'm like, no, a one-sided bevel is is 
is better for just like general shop shit. Mm-hmm. Yep. Scraping, marking. you know, marking. So, and it's easy to sharpen because you just have to sharpen the bevel side. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. and so that there, and <laughs> I just said, you know what? And we've sold, we've sold thousands of these at this point. That's I only awesome. got one guy, one guy wrote me back and said, I wish it had a bevel on both sides. I want my money back. And I was like, no problem. I said, you go. I'll give you. <laughs> so I said, um, we have this ahead. conversation all the time, Jimmy, about, about, you know, having a flagship product and figuring out that fine, walking that fine line between artisan, yeah. maker, and business person. And yeah, you get some people who are like, and I've had people do this publicly about me and they're like, that damn HM logo is on everything. I don't want it on my stuff. I don't want to support that. And, and you know, my argument is, is that people steal my design all the time. So I put my yeah. name on it and everywhere 100%. I want it, I want it to be everywhere. And I do that to, so that when people buy something from me, they know it's a genuine house-made product and, of course. and product development in this world it can be seen in a couple of ways. One can be, I'm the little guy who started a, a micro manufacturing business in 1300 square feet. I started a grinder company. I built it up and uh, now we're a household name in, in, in the maker community. We have content, we have all these things. And the only reason I was able to do that was because of this flagship product that took me multiple years and generations to just develop. I was blessed to be to have that time to work on that and actually, you know, have the minutes to sit down with CAD, draw it out and make it work. And then I had the amazing community around me to help me promote it. When you've got guys like Brian Cohn who are saying like, I want to be an artist, a maker, maybe a custom one-off person, you know, my art in my head, I immediately go, well, you want to be an artist then you want to be, you <laughs> yeah. want to be you know, yeah. business is not going to be, it's right. going to be a tough road, you know, and there's got to be a balance there. Ben uh, Butler, uh, he sent me a, an, a leather, handmade leather apron for Christmas. I wore it in one video and and now <laughs> all my videos. And now Ben Butler I, makes aprons. <laughs> now Ben Butler makes aprons. And, I, and, I, and, I, and, I, and I, I'm thinking to myself, the market decided that Ben is good at making aprons. And, and, you know, that wasn't his primary, there it is right there in a video. That wasn't his primary thing. He was a woodworker, content creator, tool reviewer. You know, he did all this stuff. He makes an apron that's just a, a beautiful piece to wear and enjoy. I love it. The smell coming off is amazing. And then all of a sudden he's got, like, I don't even know how many orders you've gotten just from <laughs> the connection, right? Oh, I've been it's holding, a, I've been holding the door shut with my, uh, with my knee for now, but that's going to open up tomorrow. So I, I, yeah, yeah, but it, I think you're right. And, and it's kind of, um, it's, it's a weird, you can go through this whole social media game, or at least I feel like you can go through this whole social media game. And I did for three or four years. Right. And was in the, in early in Instagram and grew really fast, you know, and ended up peaking at about 13,000 followers on Instagram. And, and what I realized in the past year to year and a half is like, I had no fucking purpose, (laughs) you know, like I had no reason, uh, no end game in sight other than I'll just keep doing this, get some free shit, you know, life's good. Got my got my regular job, and then like you what said, was, Jimmy, what was your regular job? I used to work for the Forest Service, uh, doing oh, right uh, app 
like technology development and things like that. So we would uh, help managers of like the biggest wildfires in the country every year, help them wow. with tools to sort of manage risk and stuff like that. But do you do that still? Or you? Yeah, I'm a superhero. <laughs> well, no. Well, fighting so crime. actually, fighting crime. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, recently with uh, all my bullshit with Crohn's disease and health stuff, I had to leave that behind. And so right. it, was, it was like this moment that forced me to go, okay, is there enough purpose there, you know, to what you've been yeah. doing to make a go of it? And so that's what that's what the plan is now is let's find oh, out. Oh, fantastic. <laughs> and you're going to do fine. You're going to do fine because, you, you know, you're not working. It's not like in the 80s where we're like, yeah. or the early 90s where we're working in a vacuum. You're like, right. you know what? I want to do a product. Yeah. And, you know, how the hell is it ever going to get from my brain to a store shelf? It's impossible. Or, or like. Now you could just, you could think of something today and tonight you could sell your first one. To, to somebody in China. Laser cut it right? or whatever. Yeah. So <clears throat> yeah. anybody that's following you. So, yep. you know, for anybody to kind of, to complain that there's no work out there is just ridiculous. Nah, you, you can just make your own. Looking. It's so funny. Every time someone comes to me and they go, oh, you know, I need this, I need that. I don't have a job. I just go, well, just develop a product. Yeah. I'm like, it's easy for you to say. I'm like, no, it's, it is. it's easy for it's everybody. Easy for everybody. To do it. But do you think, do you think, I think people struggle to realize that to an extent? Yeah. Right. No, it's and, true. It's still the old mindset of like, I got to come up with a product. I got to yeah. come up with packaging. It's got to go to a buyer. It's good. That's, yeah. you, know, you don't need that anymore. I, I used to laugh. I used to laugh when my stepdad would come out to visit and, Boise's sort of the hub for all things wildfire. There's the interagency fire center is here and it's, you know, all the federal fire stuff basically comes through Boise at some level, all the management. And we took a tour one time and they have a huge equipment cache and all this stuff. So it's kind of a neat tour, but my old man would walk around in these office buildings. He'd never been in a you know, never worked in an office building in his life. He was a butcher. He worked in a powder metal plant. He was a farmer and, you know, all these different things in his life. And we got, we walked out of there and he goes, they don't make a fucking thing here. (laughs) (laughs) You know, he's just like, it really was hard for him to conceptualize. Like, what do these fucking people do all day? They just talk to each other. He's like, there's nobody's making a thing here. (laughs) And, uh, but so he's really struggled with that. And then fast forward to like the social media game. He still is like, I just don't, I don't get it. He's like, I really just don't get it. And then, and then I started saying, well, what if I, created a product and that was what the basis for my or the reason for my being online was this product he said well that makes perfect sense (laughs) like well yeah but it's uh it's it's amazing to me how many folks like myself um are on social media purely just you know, to give people a picture of their life or what. I, I never really knew the reason. You know, it's like, it feels good when people say good things about me and all that other shit. Yeah. But it's like. Well, I think, you know what it is? It's like back in the day, we would all, like I, I, I used to belong to a Cadillac club when I had the antique. I have another yeah. antique Cadillac now. Right. But in the 90s, I had an antique Cadillac and I go hang out with these guys at the antique Cadillac club. You're right. Yeah. And the now Moose Club or the, the Yeah. Elks and we'd go or- sit we'd go sit in a parking lot of a Burger King in Suffolk County and we'd all talk about where we get parts from, what's the best Hemmings Motor News yeah. connection to go and find, you know, headlight rims or whatever. And now here it is 30 years later and we do that at a click of a button on our phone. Yeah. 
Yeah, really cool. So at the top of the hour here, we are we are one hour in with Jimmy Duresta. Not to deviate too much from our regular yeah. uh, show, uh, we are at the one hour mark. So Brian, get your trombone out. We are going to yes. do a quick dad <laughs> joke. I thought uh, I saw a trombone there. Yep. Oh, and Sam told me a good one this morning too, and I forget. So it. this one, this one's pretty great. A guy came into my workshop today to pick up a replica of his butt that I molded <laughs> out of silicone. I literally handed his ass to him. <laughs> there we go. There we go. So, uh, so uh, Jimmy, if you're not familiar with our, you know, our regular stuff, I know you listen to the show. Uh, we do this thing where we look at uh, projects from the community, and sure. there's a hashtag out there called WFI Projects, and I, I put a link in the cast window. So if you want to go click that link, on, I don't know if you have a computer in front of you, you can do I that do. or not. <clears throat> Um, and right now we have over 3000, uh, different projects that are up there from different people awesome. who have submitted this from our community. And it would be, I, whoever you pick is going to, uh, <laughs> probably freak out. So just, uh, you know, go ahead Close and you know, scroll and through them. Point. I'll, I'll do one first. Um, you know, because I've, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm looking at this, I'm actually seeing something from one of my favorite, uh, podcasts out there, which is Canadian based, the forge side chat. Justin Laramieu and uh, Lando Novak. <laughs> is this his uh, uh, grinder one? <laughs> not that one. I'm, I'm oh. looking. I've I've had this fascination with wanting to make a hammer for years, yeah. and I almost did it a few years ago. Never did it. Now I have the tooling the to press, do it. Yeah, and I have I have all the things, but I have this thing that's settled in my heart called fear that I'm going to screw it up. I just need to get get doing it but um so he's making they're making a hammer and uh and putting his the the punch showing the punch how they did it by hand so that that's really cool and he's got hashtag punch drift swage you know all that stuff so i'm just i got a huge boner for anybody that's making hammers <laughs> right now so yeah well april 3rd i'm doing at the at the at the uh the blackthorn resort they're doing a, a hammer making class with cliff dufton and john oh. Suriani. those yeah, guys those are the right heroes. guys those are the yeah, right guys. The cliff is just unbelievable. The two of them together, what they have accomplished in the last several years is just unbelievable. That's um, awesome. So I'm going to go and be a voyeur and also just kind of You're not be teaching? in the wings. You're not going to No, no, educate? I'm just there to hang out. Okay. Whenever I've done classes, the one thing that I can teach, I think that I can, my biggest, uh, what do you call it, unfair advantages is just like, Constant creativity, a constant like getting out of your own way, being that childlike yeah. curiosity. And that's what I'm always there for. When we did classes at the house, I'm always there to make sure people keep moving along. Like if they get stuck, I'm like, you know what? Look at it like this. Don't. And always, 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 because I don't have enough faith in myself, we'd always hire a good teacher. So whenever we did blacksmithing classes, we had a good teacher, whether it was Dirty Smith or whether it was Cliff or whether it was Mount Phillips Metalworks. Or, you know, when we did the knife classes, it was always Steve Pellegrino. Um, just so that I can be there as the muse. Also, to make sure that the meatballs were hot. And also, to make sure <laughs> right. everyone's bedding was, you know, it's so funny, I could it's dip funny in and out. Steve, because he he actually wanted to ask you a question. I, I, I was surprised. I forgot that he studied under you. Um, yeah. He was asking, um, let me just pull this up. Because I did like an Instagram uh, ask Jimmy Duresto a question, and and he actually commented on it. So, and I love Steve so much. Um, yeah, he's a good dude. I just saw him this weekend. So he says, "Let's see here, <laughs> Jimmy. Where do you think you'd be in life if you didn't go to SVA?" 
the School of Visual Arts? Oh, that's a good question. Yeah. Uh, you know, that was, I, I always, I'm trying to think of the best way to answer this. So I always think of moments in time where, you know, if I'd have done this, if I'd have done that. I was working at a sign shop and I got into an argument with the owner because I had been late again for like the fifth time that month or whatever. But late meaning like instead of coming in one minute before eight, I come in one minute after eight. That's how late I ever was. The guy was just a stickler. He was a, he was a dick. And this one particular day he said, he goes, well, uh, you know, that's it. Go home. You're late too many times. Like he's ex-Marine and like quite literally like very, very, very regimented. And so I was like, all right, well, you know what? I said, if, if you're going to dock me a day's pay, I go, how about I just quit? And he's like, you can't quit. we got a lot of projects going on. I was like, well, it's too late. I quit. You got a lot and of projects I, going on. I ripped up my time card and I stuffed it in the thing and I left. And he's like, you can't quit. I was like, goodbye. And I left and I went home and I said, now what do I do? I had been a year out of high school, no no intentions for school or, or anything. And now I was just discussing my future with a friend of mine. And I was like, well, you know, a few people suggested the School of Visual Arts to me. Maybe I should do that. And so I went and I signed up for evening classes at the School of Visual Arts that same day. So I had quit, walked out at like 8.05 that morning after arguing with Rick. And by noon, I was on a train to Manhattan to go sign up for the School of Visual Arts after a brief conversation with a friend. So I made the pivot in in just a couple of hours. And the School of Visual Arts had been planted in my brain by a few friends earlier those few years. And I just never thought school was for me. I just never thought I'd either have the money to pay for it or had the wherewithal, the attention span to stay in it. And then once I went there, I saw all these people milling about with a focus. And I was like, I always felt like an outsider. But that moment where I got into that argument with Rick and I ended up quitting was the moment I decided to go to school. I was, I guess I was like 19, 18 at the time. I had already been one year out of college, you know, college eligible one year out of school high school and not having taken advantage of college only because I just didn't think I could pay for it. You know, it was one of those, yeah. like how many times I still have to remind myself, I'm not, I, I don't have FU money as much as people think I do, right. but there are moments where I have to remind myself like, Oh, I can just put a new roof on the house. I don't have to live with leaks. <laughs> right. Oh, 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 I can go and buy something new. I don't have to go find the used one on Facebook yeah. market. You know what? Let me just go buy the new version of that. Because I'm just still stuck in this mindset of like everything I own has to be used or has to be completely yeah. used to the complete 10th degree. I can't <laughs> possibly afford a new version of that. I have to use my brother's old boots. I have to use yeah. the hand-me-down <laughs> jeans. It's just a mentality that's still impossible to get out of. But every once in a while. I'm with you. I, I do the same thing. And my, yeah. my neighbors smell me making my chicken tacos every day in the shop. <laughs> and and. I, you know, I bring my tortillas. I have this ritual that I do have a little griddle here that I'm making my food on. And my neighbor comes over. He goes, you know, you, it smells delicious in here. He's like, you know, there's a taco joint like three doors down. I was like, I, I honestly cannot get out of the mentality. Yeah. You know, whenever something in here breaks, Sarah's like, just go buy another one. I'm like, it's like a couple thousand bucks. Like, I don't think yeah. she's like, what are you, What? stop it. What are you saying? Like, just go get the tool you need. You know, you're. this is how we yeah. make money. And uh, definitely is a thing. So, but uh, yeah. so Jimmy, did- going back to Steve's original question, I think I would have meandered a little bit before I ultimately found that path because that was in the back of my mind. You know, there was always the devil and the angel on my shoulder, and it kind of brings up the point I just tried to make, but I got off course where there was always somebody on my shoulder said, You should go to school and learn art. And the other person on my shoulder would say, But you can't afford it and you're not good enough for it. You know, so I had that duality. And that day when I was confronted with, Now I don't know what to do with my time. Yeah. How do I make my time work for me? How can I be productive? And that's how I ended up doing this. 
You could never say for sure, I'll bet. But do you think you would co- you would consider yourself an artist today if you hadn't gone to school? I think so, yeah. No, because growing up, uh, and I say this often, uh, people saw in me what I didn't know was defined as artist, as being an artist. You know, yeah. any in elementary school and middle school, people would always say, oh, let Jimmy draw it. Jimmy can draw it. Jimmy's the artist. And like, yeah. I'm just doing what comes naturally to me. I didn't choose to be that. I didn't choose to be able to be able to like put things together. You know, I kind of had like this mind for spatial awareness, like yeah. being able to like make a package or being able to assemble something without having to look at the instructions. You know, as a kid, these, all these things just get <clears> very natural to me. And then when it came to drawing pictures or seeing an object as a still life, people would always say, oh, let Jimmy do it. Let Jimmy do it. Let yeah. Jimmy do it. And I was like, oh, okay. Well, you're the artist. I'm like, I, am I an artist? Like, <laughs> doing what, what, is, what is naturally? It's interesting because looking at that, scenario today our oldest son jack has almost all of those same qualities that you mentioned his yeah. ability to to space like see a problem spatially and solve it you know whether yeah. it's building something with lego or out in the shop coming up with some kind of a robotic contraption like the other night he we had he built this like arm thing that didn't have a motor and he pulls out his other kit and throws a damn motor on this arm thing. You know, it's just like, holy shit. But my point though is today he doesn't get tagged as an artist. He gets, oh, Jack's going to be an engineer. <laughs> right. Well, and, I got that too. Like a lot of times growing up, everyone's like, oh, you're going to be an architect. You're going to be an engineer. You're going to be an architect. Yeah. This is what Obi wrote. Always said. So I went to high school as an architect student. I spent half the day at a vocational school learning architecture. And then when I got to college, I just realized I couldn't do the math of an engineer yeah. or an architect. I just was bad at math. And I was like, I don't want to spend yeah. five well, years I keep reminding math. him because I, I was the same way. I, I went to college and studied geography, but didn't want to sit behind a computer all the time and just design shit. And I, I keep reminding him, like, don't forget, engineers don't actually build stuff typically. They design stuff. <laughs> right, yeah. And uh, trying to talk him off the ledge. <laughs> yeah. So but, yeah, one, one bit of business, I've actually got to switch gears real quick. And I'm Go. forgive me here because I we don't normally ever have sponsorships, but um, I have been doing business with Maritime Knife Supply and they would love to sponsor our show now. And awesome. so Lawrence okay. Lake at Maritime Knife Supply, if you're not familiar with them, they are Canadian based company that sells all kinds of things from kilns to grinders abrasives tools everything you can think of to make things and they ship to the united states and you can take advantage of the canadian usd uh, transfer and actually get some really great deals i started doing business with lawrence um a few months ago, I needed some belts, some strange 2x72 belts that I could only get out of California. They were out. He reached out to me. Just a pleasure of a dude to do business with. So go out and check out MaritimeKnifeSupply.ca, MaritimeKnifeSupply.ca, and give them a look. And, and just be aware, when you order something from them, it comes just as fast as if it was in the States itself. It gets shipped into the U.S. <clears throat> the conversion happens. You get the You get the product within like a week. I mean, it's the same thing. So anyway, nice. thank you for sponsoring the show, Lawrence. We appreciate you. And yeah. I'm going to just really quick shout out our patrons. Uh, we've got 46 patrons now on the work for it. Uh, <laughs> it's growing. Just a God. Few. Yeah, we have just a few. Um, Mark Vanderwerf, Devin O'Hara of The Art of Craftsmanship. Jimmy, if you don't know The Art of do you know The Art of Craftsmanship, guys, Jimmy? I think so. Yeah, I think I follow them. Those, are, yeah. those guys are excellent. They're, awesome they're, they're a great crew. 
Justin Miller, Florida Man Forge, M.W. Steelworks, Michael Nye, Bob Ryan, Jared Weaver, Scott Wilkerson, Jamie the Squid, Jamie Blow, Noah Bloomberg, Ken Kimna, Moonshine Leatherworks, Brian Absher, Matt Bicker, Oxford Blade Co., Brad Troxclair, Bruce G. Carlson, Dennis Terrell of Terrell Knifeworks, Donnie Dulovich, Maximus Knives, Cardoso Knives, Benjamin Mullins, Full Steam Designs by Chris Powell, Matthew Angel at at Ad Knifeworks, Ad Dot Knifeworks, I should say, Wesley Crum, Eric at Overall Maker Works, Bob at Shed underscore 72, Richard Beck of Beck's Armory, Brigham Kindell, Brian Hooten, Jason Moss, Keith Drennan of Blackthorn Ooh. Concepts, and the Working Hands Podcast, I just Mark saw LeBlanc. Keith, Keith is a great guy, yeah, really good, good guy. Uh, Toby Mural of UK Knife Maker Supplies. He's another guy over in the UK, hangs out with uh, owner Kaglar. Uh, James Hunsberger of Hunsberger Pocket Knives, Crafty Man Forge, Carol Ann, Jeanette Racine, The Working Hands Podcast. Jimmy, if you haven't been listening to The Working Hands Podcast, you need to. Those guys are yep. awesome. I've listened um, to a few. Yeah. Ryan Coakley, Thomas Moberg, Echo Blades, Jared over at Echo Blades, Leon Shanks of Two Birds Blade Works, Nate Wapole of Walrus Steel, Zach Byrne of Burn Blades, and Dustin, help me out, Ben, Dustin Yahima. Mm-hmm. Am I saying this oh, correctly? Oh, I got to look it up. <laughs> uh, no, I don't. Th- well, hang on a second. I think um, it's Yahima. I think you might be right, but. He's going to correct uh, me. Car- he'll, carry he'll on. Me oh, back. here it is. Uh, oh, it's uh, E. Ejima, 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 double E G E E M A, like the well, Bee Gees. We, ap- <laughs> we appreciate you guys. The end. <laughs> and we're gonna run out of time with Jimmy, so I really, I've got two yeah. more things I want to bring up um, yeah. about uh, Jimmy, real quick. You have, yeah. uh, you, and I'll just couple them together. You've now created a collaboration between you. And this old house, which I'm Ooh, super interested yeah. in. Oh yeah. Well, you know, I always say uh, create, just create content. It's funny. A lot of people now are worried about you know YouTube is waning slightly, and you know views. Like I peaked, like peaked probably on YouTube in 2016, 2017. Ever since then, it's been a very slow, slow uh, diminish yeah. as far as my. De- you know, occasionally I get a I get a, a a viral video. You know, about one out of every ten or fifteen videos goes viral, but. What I'm using YouTube for now is just to keep building my library so that the publication elsewhere could yeah. bring in money. So I'm not trying to chase any algorithms. I'm not trying. I just want to keep my consistent t- style of of creation. And out of nowhere, this old house reached out to me. They said they had an opportunity to do a channel, and they thought, why don't we use all the maker resources? So they reached out to me and obviously several other makers, and we've all submitted videos at their request. They went through my library and asked for these 25 videos to start with. They just asked me for another 25. I have to go through my old hard drives and dig them up. So I give them the source material and then they take it and they publish it on Roku. But I haven't yeah. seen it myself, but I think it's getting views. Yeah, I think it's getting views. So the collaboration with them is really an opportunity that I created for myself by just having content. Yep. And 580 videos or more, just having the content available and people knowing, hey, if I reach it for Jimmy, he's going to have a lot of stuff for me to tap into. Yeah. You know, I, I even just got reached out to maybe these guys are going to maybe handle my TikTok. And it's just going to go to my YouTube page and pull up videos and yeah. make TikTok videos and like, pretend a, to be an 18-year-old kid. Right. <laughs> There's two things that I think, the two of the biggest things that I've 
learned from from you and, and your content. The first one is that you you treat your content like a library. You know, like you just yeah. said, where it's like just keep putting you know put another book on the shelf, put another book on the shelf, yeah. another book on the yeah. shelf, and and to always be doing that. You know, and just if you can have consistent, decent, even decent doesn't have to be great content. Just keep putting books on the shelf, which is kind of leads me to the other one. And and that I, for the longest time, would be stuck in analysis paralysis mode, you know, uh, staring at a woodworking commission going, well, I can think of 12 different fucking ways to do this. Which one's right? And just none of them are. Of them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just pick one and of them. I, and when I started watching your content, it was so like, it just like hit me on the forehead and I went, well, fucking Jimmy just picks one and does it. He doesn't give a shit if it's right or not. You know, like I gotta start doing you know, that. Or like, I'm gonna die here. <laughs> there's two things you could always do to get out of a gig. There's like, let's say if you if you start going down a, a bad angle, yeah, you can just either buy more time and start over, or you can give the money back. Right. And you know, a That's, lot of people, a lot of people look at their their body of, let's say, for instance, you're not a content creator, but you're you're a person that's making stuff, and you're making stuff as a commission. And I always looked at. The commissions, um, someone's calling me. Let me decline <laughs> that call. But I always looked at the commissions. They just keep coming in. I'm yeah. going to look at the year. I'm going to look at two years. I'm not going to look at week by week. Because if I look at week by week, I'm going to be like, I'm going to probably want to quit. Right. Because I'm going to be like, wow, that was another failure. There was another failure. Yep. Oh my God, this was such a huge win. That makes up for the five failures this year. <laughs> right. I have two more failures in my belt and I could still be a winner. Yep. So the point I'm making is, is a lot of people will, you know, the they'll get into a project and they'll be so panicked that it's not going well that or that they're going to when i say not going well losing money yeah obviously yeah. you finish your project you do it but you lost money on that project okay well that's one that i learned on yep next one you go into you make three times the amount of money that you should have made on it because yeah. the client doesn't know any better to shop around or you got a really good deal on material you got a job where you don't have to buy the material you've already owned it from the previous leftover job yep. so this happens, and like I said, you look at a year. You look at the whole year, and you're like, okay, the year was great. I didn't have to literally come out positive on every single project for the whole entire year to come out positive. Yeah. And so it's a net win, and you look at the things that didn't make you a lot of profit, and you say, okay, that was college. That was yeah. my college education. Yep. This next one isn't my college. So the next time that job comes to the door, you know you got to charge three times as much for the thing you thought you knew but you didn't know or the mm -hmm. service you needed to hire. I remember I built a shed of shelf brackets, and the woman goes, can we have them chromed? And I was like, sure. And I turned to Taylor. I'm like, how do I get these chromed? And she goes, she, she goes up. Oh. She like opened her phone up because she's smarter on Google than me. There you go. There's three chroming places in Brooklyn. It's only going to cost $300. Boom. There was still some profit in it. But I said to the client, sure, no problem. Turned yeah. around and go, what do I do now? And uh, I figured I'd just somebody buy myself more time. Me, uh, somebody asked me that the other day. They were like, I get all kinds of inquiries for custom jobs, but I, can't, I have to turn them all down. I don't know how to fucking do this stuff. And I go... Well, how the hell do you plan on making money as a custom furniture maker? <laughs> you know, literally yeah. every piece that comes in the door, you're probably not going to know how to do some of it. Right. And if you read anybody that's done any entrepreneurial work at all, they always say yes. So yeah. if the job comes in, they go, yes. yes. And then even though they don't know how to do it, they'll, yeah. we'll figure it out. And yeah. that's the key to continuing moving forward, which brings me to my next thing with you jimmy which is your collaboration with 
Walmart. This is huge. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Again, another thing. Just keep putting content out there. I got contacted by Walmart one year ago, last March 7th or 8th. They sent me an email. They go, hey, we just saw you built a toolbox. It was one specific person. And this is another thing. You know, mm. you look at corporations, you, you you don't forget they're just run by human beings that are exactly like Who me and you. Who know each other. <laughs> and they're just like me and you. So, like, they get excited by the same things we get excited by. They get excited by seeing people win. They get excited by learning new things. And so there was one person in Walmart, her and her husband were fans of mine. And the husband kept saying, you got to get this Duresta in here somehow. Nice. And that toolbox was the thing that put them over the edge to reach out to me. She reached out and said... Would you be interested in putting your yeah. toolbox product toolbox product in our store? And then we got in touch with a buyer, and then she was quickly moved to another to another department. But the new buyer was as on board with us as she was, nice. and she was in our corner. She still is in our corner, and we started developing this product. And they said, "Come up with several versions of it. See if you can come up with more versions of it." And we did. And you know, long thing. Long year, long, but we got it. We got 30,000 products shipped. That's We're making 30,000 more right now. So the project is going well. It's a success. <clears throat> uh, well, we're still, we're doing a test. So right now the test seems to be going well, but we're we're doing 30,000 pieces inside of 400 of 4,000 stores. So we're only in 400 Walmart stores. But the website uh... sales, the website sales are moving and we're getting some good reviews on there and we started Jimmy's Workshop, which is an Instagram that my girlfriend runs, which is catering to the fan fan mail. Um, yeah. I, I, I want to say, first of all, thank you for that. I My, my okay. boys, I have, you know, a, a seven-year-old and a, a, will be 12 in May. And they both, in fact, this morning, Sam was mad because we were driving to school and I remembered that he he wanted to record a video that he could ask you a question on the podcast. So he was oh, he was bummed. Cool. He's like, I don't get to ask Jimmy my question. <laughs> I said, Well, we can send it to him later. But but as I used to run a maker uh, uh, after school maker program at their school, and with the pandemic, we haven't been able to do it. But I am amazed at how many kids don't get the opportunity to just make something, you know, it's like making something to them is, as you say on the show, like get the hell out of Minecraft for a minute and actually use your head and hands to make something. And that was always my mantra is, you know, make something with your head or come up with something in your head and make it with your hands. And then I would tell the kids at the beginning of every year and at the beginning of every meeting that the best part about Maker Club is that your only job is to fail. (laughs) And then we'll we'll make another one and another one and another one. You reminded me, uh, I did a a podcast recently. It was all, uh, I wish I could remember the exact name of it so people could look it up, but it was all high school shop teachers. Nice. Yeah. uh, it was a hangout with several shop and one of, and the guy who hosted it was great. I, again, I wish I could remember his name. Right oh, the top I of my think head, I remember shop class or and, something podcast. And, um, and um, he said, what would you do if you had an unlimited budget? I said, I'd give everybody a 3d printer and a computer. Yeah. Yep. He goes, okay, what if you had no budget? I said, I'd give everybody a pile of ice cream sticks and a bucket of glue. There you go. And, yep. and you know, the, the discovery of both of them is unbelievable. And you would see the ADHD numbers just plummet. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> so, you know, the idea of just playing with, I have a meeting in a few minutes with, uh, with uh, Type on Glue and they want to know yeah. a couple of projects that I'm going to do. And I said, 
I, I'm, I told, I, I said, I'm going to do toothpicks and yeah. ice cream sticks. That's yeah, build a bridge. Some of yeah, your best, the bridge, uh, best videos. Build the Eiffel build Tower. Like yeah, the, the burns matic uh, videos where it was like 12 different cup holder or pencil holders or yeah. something. I mean, those are, those yes. are awesome. And it really Shoot gets it people like thinking. A, like a yeah, time yeah, lapse yeah. type deal where you can yeah. you can maybe have the camera moving yeah. slightly and then this thing grows out of nowhere. Exactly. I mean, yeah. that, exactly. people will watch that and you, and that's cross compatible on Instagram, YouTube, and TikTok. I mean, it's like yeah. I'm in. Yeah. And in and out of the maker world too, right? That's what yeah. I think is kids you gotta love that stuff. you gotta hit because there's not not every kid's gonna have the dad that's gonna build the glossy sexy pinewood derby car. You know, some kids are gonna have turds with wheels and so you got to inspire that kid to get their dad out there or their mom out there or their uncle or whoever it is wheels, I love it. yeah but very well, cool listen guys it's we're an hour 26 in jimmy i uh know your time is valuable because i looked up your net worth before we got on fake news fake news i wish that was my net worth right? i'll put it that numbers way just are always it said, hilarious. It said to something me. like, like, like these it, people it was a breakdown. Do you know that you can get a breakdown of like what no your way. minute is worth? Oh, yeah. Yeah. you know what? Every, let me let me put it to you alive. this way. Shit, how much do we right. owe him? I didn't I didn't talk these numbers. <laughs> Brian, you want to know how true my net worth is? Google your own net worth, and then you'll it's, see. You'll be like, all, oh wow, that's pure I'm worth way more than what it says. So uh, but yeah, no, uh, but uh, <laughs> good answer. <laughs> uh, but anyway, Jimmy, you, uh, we appreciate you. We don't want to eat up too thank much you. more of your time. And, um, and oh, guys, thank you so much. And thank we you. love having you on the show. Hopefully, in another uh, year or so, we'll have you back on to do another update and talk about your celebrity melt downs and (laughs) and, uh, all of that and uh yeah and so uh gentlemen are you satisfied do you did you get the uh uh, the release you needed here can i ask one question to ben ben how did you end up with the cnc machine that i used on nbc (laughs) that's a that's a fun great story is that a quick is that a quick answer yeah it can be so (laughs) i was talking with i was talking with shopbot you know and and uh was part of the whole maker club thing and my Instagram stuff. And I had reached out to them, you know, Hey, I'm really, I would love to have a CNC machine with the maker club so that I can, I've got through, I've got two or three 3d printers at the school. And I said, I'd love to be able to compare and contrast additive and subtractive manufacturing. And I had kids playing in Tinkercad, like first graders and second graders playing around in Tinkercad. It was really cool. And so I started, got talking to Jen over there at, at Shopbot and, and, and finally it was like, we had talked back and forth for about three or four months. And finally I said, okay, I said, here's, here's my thought. And I just kind of like Pitched. stream of mind just laid out this, if I did this many videos and that, you know, that just threw it out there. And she's like, two days later, she, she writes back and she's like, well, I think, I think we can make this work. She's like, there's a machine coming back from a TV show in California. And, ah, uh, she's like, we'll just, uh, we'll flip it around. Was my and- name on it? Was my no, name when I, lo- when I log no. into the computer though, like your Gmail popped up and Jack's like, Holy this cow, is the best Dad. ever. Ben's <laughs> like, I'm logged into Jimmy's email right now. And I'm like, that's me. that means you're and logged then, into his YouTube. I was like, we I need to start him, posting videos as Jimmy DiResto right him, now. I made our him face video on me. I made him video me. Uh, I made him video that's me so logging funny. out of it. I'm 
like, Jack, you've got a video of me, and I'm going to log out of it, and I'm going to completely reset Chrome and everything else. That's so <laughs> funny. Everything happens. I didn't well, have to. Thanks for not hacking email. me. You could have got, you were compromised, Jimmy. It's a good thing that it ended up in Ben's Yo, hands. Dude, I'm so else. sloppy. I sent, I sent out, uh, I did a video once of my computer screen. I was working on a Fusion file, yeah. and I did, like, I was doing an Instagram story, and then somebody writes me, goes, hey, dude. You just put your Apple ID online. Do you know that? Like, what? Because it says your email and your password is written on your computer. He goes, I just checked it. He goes, and it's it. And I got in. He goes, but I have no ill intentions. He goes, change your password immediately. Immediately. Oh yeah. my god. Oh my god. Yeah. And I did. So that's so. that's the uh, that's the long and short of how we ended up. So what I want to know is when do I get the Netflix shot bot? You know, the, oh, the, they took the it. They took foot. it away to go to Vegas. <laughs> the four by eight. I want that one next. <laughs> yeah, I'll give you a quick funny story. So I get a call from one of the producers and says, hey, um, Jimmy, did you take the shop out with you home when you went from it? I'm like, this is a producer that's like in the office that has no idea what the shop out is. All right. They, know is they, they don't just know, know the, the, the dollar amount no. of it. <laughs> no, no. It's missing. They go, Jimmy, what did you do with the shop out machine? Did you take it home with you? I go. No, it's, it's a thousand it's, it's pound like machine. It's like a car, yeah. <laughs> I go, it's a thousand pound machine. It was in a crate. They go, uh, do you have any idea where it is? <laughs> I go, I, I don't, what are you talking about? I go, I don't know. I go, it was on it's the set when I left. Guy. <laughs> they go, because we can't find it. And then I go, well, I'll tell you what. I left it on the set. You know, it was like on this room where we work. And I was like, it's over. it was over there. I go, but they were packing away quickly. So it's in yeah. a warehouse somewhere. It just got mislabeled. They, of course, found it. Yeah. But there was a few days there where they're like, do you know where the shop bot is? And they didn't know. They, they thought I was talking about something like the size of a calculator. Right. They had it's no not idea a small thing. Yeah. Oh, That's okay. hilarious. No, it worked out really well. And I'll, Good. I'll, uh, I've still got it and I'll be putting out more content. In fact, I just uh, got an email from Jen today and be putting out some new content. I made some leather stamps with it the other day. So I'm going to show folks how to do that. And yeah, it's really right. Great folks, great machine, made in the U.S. I mean, it doesn't yeah. get much better. Just an yeah, awesome it's a tool. good machine. The good people. I, I've had a great relationship with them. Yeah. Yep. Now, before we wrap up, um, I almost kind of feel bad for our viewers because we asked for a bunch of questions to ask Jimmy and then didn't really ask no. any of them. <laughs> well, he's coming on every episode now. Well, I, I mean, I, I can hang out for like another five minutes if you got a couple. You want to do rapid quick? Well, rapid. I'll, do, I mean, I'll do one real quick. Pick your favorite quick. one, Brian. Yeah, I'll, I'll do yeah. one real quick. So this one's Stop. from Dennis Tyrell. Um, he's yeah. asking if you want to join us on the next uh, Knife Maker Challenge on YouTube. Um, oh, right. yeah. Okay. You got my email. You got my message. You, you'd let me know. I'll, I'll get in that. I would love hey, to. Hey, there yeah. we go. That'd be awesome. We just did the dagger yeah. on this this last one, but whatever yeah, the next one is. Yeah, just push me. There we go. Unfortunately, we though, Brian, there's only a slots for 20, so you're going to have to give up oh, your well, slot. Oh, well, I guess. <laughs> All right. <laughs> you're fucked. You're out. I'll, uh, you just I'll take yourself. the hit. I'll take All right, that. next question. Next question. Uh, from Dustin O'Hara from The Art of Craftsmanship. What is the subject of your very first YouTube video? Oh. Uh, it's a cat humping my leg. Nice. <laughs> I sent my, my friend in Europe, my cat was humping my leg all the time in this bedroom, in this apartment I was in shortly. The apartment looks like a disaster because I was only there for a short period of time and I didn't fix it up. And my cat was humping. So it's one of my early videos that I didn't delete when I got back into YouTube to actually put real content up. So it's that. It's me shooting shotguns in my backyard with my friend Thomas, who's from Denmark, nice. who never shot a rifle before. <laughs> he, she, he pulls the trigger, turns around and goes, oh. What a blow it makes. Really <laughs> Is it Steve from uh, Woodworking Mere Mortals on his podcast? He always digs up everybody's first 
uh, YouTube yes. video. It's great. Yeah, I, I just did Steve. By the way, he's great. Yeah, he, I, I think last week. He's a fun, fun guy. Next question. Next question. We've got one from Nate Walpole. Um, so, what do you think we can do as makers in um, the maker space to create more space for women makers? He has a fourteen-year-old daughter who's a big fan of you, and he's looking at the uphill battle that she'll have, and you know yeah. what she can do to kind of stand out. I think she just has to create her own content, and yeah. you know, it's 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 not for me to. To decide how that works. Right. I mean, all I can say is give more women opportunities. You know, that's another big pushback we're getting for the show. It's like four guys, no women, but we were we were cast as, as a group of people. We were we basically said we're not doing a show if we're gonna break up the group. And we're yeah. not gonna do the show if you're gonna like give us people we're not friends with. Okay. And so halfway through the production, we brought uh, Justine in the show. So Justine's in one of the episodes. And if we do a season two, Justine will be in the up in the upcoming episodes. Justine was a very natural progression <clears throat> to become on the show because she was behind yeah. the scenes, winner of season two of making it. And so, you know, just I think it's up to women to do more YouTube videos and get more involved. And, you know, sure. April, what April's been able to do and, and Laura and, you know, there's a couple of real big yeah. female rock stars and, you know, those guys are great examples of what people can do. I'd say check out Annie's woodwork, A-N-N-I-E-S woodwork, all one word on Instagram. Mm -hmm. She's a 14 year old. Um, oh, that's cool. She's killer. She's a brand that's ambassador cool. for Calavera, Calavera and other things. Uh, she just killer. And then, uh, you know, Cam. unbelievable, um, an unbelievable woodworker. Unbelievable is uh, Tamara from Three by Three Woodwork. Yes. unbelievable. Yes, she has like her evolution in the last five years has been yep. incredible to watch, and she's unstoppable. And uh, you know, there's so many. There's uh, Wood Maven from Atlanta. She's killing it. Char is her name. And um, yeah. so many. I, I mean, I'm just, I'm just, I had another really good example of somebody else. I can't remember who, but oh, Anne of All Trades, of course, farming yeah. and woodworking. And just Anne is like another powerhouse of just learning blacksmithing, farming, yeah. everything. Just crazy. So, I mean, it's up. It's, 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 uh, you know, these are great examples for young ladies to look at and, yeah. and get to do stuff. I've got, a, I've got a quick question from one of Go. my favorite people on the planet, Brent Smith, Go. who is bald man, knife and tool. He's in my neighborhood here. He says, as makers, we all have a long list of ideas for new projects that we want to tackle. What's your process for picking that project and the next project on your list and beginning to work on it into your schedule of current projects? Well, you know, I always have, just like I talked about in my, my uh, TEDx talk, I have so many projects percolating in the background and from time to time, I'll see something in my environment. And it'll remind me of a project that I have on a note card somewhere. I've been doing this a lot lately where I do um, note cards of mm -hmm. projects. Like I want to do a, a seat for my Vespa. I want to do barbecue tools. That's a, that's a, uh, I just made this over the weekend, this barbecue oh, nice. wow. two prong fork. I, I made it out of a, out of a rasp. So I, this was a practice one for a video that I'm going to do. So they just kind of bubble to the top. I know that's not a clear answer, but like right now, I've been doing a lot of blacksmithing. I made this cleaver last week, and then I made that barbecue tool. So probably in the not too distant future, I'll do my my bullet bourbon barbecue tool video that I got to do because it's like it's it's on the surface. Yeah. Um, it it just bubbles up, and on the back of my garage door, I have about twenty five project cards, and these cards will go on a magnet on the back door. These are just mm -hmm. ones in my right here in my office, and those will go on the back door, so I can look at that and say. 
oh, you know what? I need to build, uh, I want to build wooden sides for my flatbed truck. That's one video I want to do. I want to do uh, this or that or that. And, you know, whatever percolates to the top. One of the things I saw when you just posted the cleaver video, it reminded me when you showed us the cleaver. In the beginning of that video, you kind of, you stepped in front of the camera real quick and you said, hey, this is my journey. You explained right. it. This is not, yeah. not typical Duresta. This is like you saying, you know, hey, this is what my thought process is on this and this is my experimentation I want to do. And then you said something about, well, I overheated the blade and I'm watching you work on this thing. And I'm like, well, how's he going to overheat it? It's in a propane forge. And like, you know, and then I see you pull out the oxyacetylene torch. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, that's how he overheated it. Okay. It I, I, no, well, there was a few times where I left it in the forge. I just wanted oh, to talk on long. the phone. <laughs> oh, right on. I, I'm like, uh, and I'm in my mind, I'm like, eh, you know, I can't cook it. It's not going to. It's not. Gonna that's what I was thinking. I'm like, he yeah. must have really had her cranked up to 11 on that thing. So. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's, I was still, I was trying to bring that heel in and that was, that was the big learning process was just trying to bring this heel back in. So you don't end up with like another knife that has like this far away bolster. You do these bolsters and all of a sudden you end up with the heel of your knife two inches away because you couldn't drag the material to it. Mm. And that was my, I mean, I got pretty good. I still wanted to get more. I was hoping to try and fill that space in, but you know, again, it's just another step on the journey. Mm -hmm. Brian, any more questions? That's all yeah. the ones that I have. But speaking of steps on the journey, I mean, that was the 100th episode. What do you guys think? I know. We haven't mentioned huh. that yet. That, yeah. that was right. I have one more request. It's Go. my birthday. Will you guys sing happy birthday to me? Of course. Happy Brian's got a trombone. To you. A little flubbed on the end, but that's all right. It's the best gift ever. I'm impressed. Gift I'm ever. impressed. Yeah. Thank you, Jimmy. Thank you, Brian. Appreciate you, buddy. Yes. All right, guys. Thank, Thank you, you all. all right. Thanks for listening to the Work For It podcast, everybody. If you would like to support the work that we're doing right here on the Work For It podcast, you could go over to patreon.com forward slash work for it and find out more about that for as little as $1 a month. Or all you got to do is give us a rating on Apple at podcasts or Spotify or make a comment or share five the show with anybody. Tell us you five stars. <laughs> so we appreciate you all for listening. I hope you're all working for it. Hard work and good luck. My name is Brian House. I'm Brian Cohn. Uh, I'm Ben Butler. And I'm Jimmy DeResta. And this has been Work For. Thanks so much, guys. Thank, Thank you. you. Bye. Goodbye. Bye. Goodbye. <laughs> goodbye. 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 I do. It's over. Hey, real quick, this is a Easter egg for the podcast listeners. Hey, I just wanted to say thank you so much for everybody who reached out to me and wished me a happy birthday. Um, God, I just... Um, this recording with Jimmy is a highlight of my life and career, and I just wanted to say thank you to everyone who has supported me through this process of um, kind of reaching these goals that I've set out for myself. And a uh, big shout out to Brian and Ben who made this show possible. And without those guys, none of this would be possible. So, and again, thank you, Jimmy, for um, coming on our show and inspiring me uh, fully. So. Guys, thanks so much for the birthday wishes. I hope you all have a great week. All right. Cheers.